Welcome on into the show. My name is Danny Gallio, and I'm joined by the Snare Campaign Provocateur. And you know what? Just because it's Memorial Day weekend, we're going to take it a little bit chiller today. It's Benny Horowitz. Oh, so, so nothing? Nothing. What do you honor me? Like, all right. No, oh. do I want to play the exercise? Like, how would you memorialize me? Oh, Use Jesus Christ. Four, you know what I was thinking about? Jumping the other right day? into like, Ray Liotta. I'm like, what defines me? You know, and I was like, what, what? So I'm like, am I American, Jewish, drummer? Like, if I had to pick like three words, like gravestone words, like, did you, you ever think about that? It's too dark to start here? Oh, no, dude. I think about this all the time. Yeah. Well, what would also, you, do you know what yours would be? Also, we need to like philanthropist. <laughs> as a society, like, we need to just like destigmatize, like, going to a you know, family member or, or somebody's grave. Cause it can actually be a nice place to go and just kind of like spend time with that person. Yeah. The, the idea that it's like haunted mansion stuff is like a little dated. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So let's look at it a different way. Yeah. You know? So for Benny, I would be like, yeah. Uh, what do you got? Drummer, friend, uh-huh. lover. Yes. <laughs> it's beautiful. Beautiful. I think my kids might take a little <laughs> offense to it, but you know, it's all for them. This is good. If you get to write it, you you know the Ian Perkins strategy that you should always carry a death photo in your wallet, oh, just in case. Because if they, because always when they put you in the newspaper, they find like the sixteen-year-old braces pre-prom photo, you yeah. know, and they should have like the one you want. So that one summer where you were just like super ripped and looking cool. Like you got to toss that in your wallet just in case, you know, that's why I feel like you got to be careful with what you post on like Instagram, your first picture available or like your profile <laughs> picture is what they're going to take and put on the news now. Oh, so. that's a good point. But uh, scary, a little scary. What's new, dude? Any uh, big summer plans with the fam? Are you are are, are we going uh, back to an undisclosed location? For, for I, undisclosed undisclosed <laughs> for everyone you know how i roll these days denny you know gaslight's getting back together so it's back to private jets <laughs> private i basically the life you like think tom cruise is living but he won't <laughs> tell you is basically like my life now you know it's gonna rule it's like uh what's that uh mark Wahlberg movie where he like becomes like the front man of like the band oh rock <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah something like that it's something like that oh, i love I'm gonna it be swept away into a valhalla of decadence <laughs> uh you know i'll rewrite a rock and roll you know this is where i'm too big of a nerd to do anything fun because if I was to write like the coolest like rock and roll biography, this would be the time I would like have to like massively fuck up my life, like yeah. lose my family, <laughs> go over the top, drug over to like something. But I, I'm not going to do any of that. You know, yeah. I'm just going to keep plugging <laughs> along here and, uh, and, and just be boring as fuck. I'm like the San Antonio Spurs, you know? <laughs> You're not gonna go into your uh, Carlin cocaine phase. Watch that documentary. Yeah, no, I know. That's that's <laughs> kind of what made me think about it. Is like, you know, these these people who had a uh, you know uh, a deeply rocky life, and my rockiness goes inside of me. It doesn't it doesn't eat up other people. You know, you're more likely to see me alone on a street corner <laughs> collecting change somewhere, being like, wait. Is that Benny Horowitz who used to be in the Gaslight Anthem? It's more likely going to be that. 
and that's what's going to be on your tombstone. Anyway, we got to get into this day of music history. So without any further ado, cue the music. So today, in 2014, famously, 50 Cent throws out the first pitch at the Mets game, missing the catcher by about 20 feet. Topps Cards later produces a baseball card commemorating the moment. The back of the card reads... When it comes to memorable ceremonial first pitches, 50 is certainly in the club. (laughs) The Queens-born rap star was invited to do the honors before a Mets game in May 14. Wearing a number 50 jersey and opting to work from the rubber, the southpaw busted out a small leg kick and unleashed a pitch that nearly hit a photographer. This was funny because this has to go down as maybe the worst one of all time, right? Mm -hmm. There's... There's uh, dozens and dozens of hilarious, uh, you know, people, you know, missing by 50 feet, going left, going right. But I had the sense. I remember when this in the initial time when this was a highlight, I was like, oh, why is this like big news? 50 Cent probably lasered like an 80 mile an hour, you know, ripper in there or something because he's a big athletic guy. He, he doesn't even allow soda on the set of his videos, only <laughs> vitamin water, you know, guy like that can can hurl. And then you saw that one of the one of the worst ones of all time. He got beat by like Barbra Streisand, you know, it was funny because so I heard that uh, Bill Burr threw out the first pitch at the Red Sox game. And at first oh, he, he probably didn't do well. He approached it. Well, apparently he did pretty good, but uh, apparently he like approached it. Uh, of like, oh, like, it's n- no big deal. Nobody cares who I am, blah, 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 blah. And then, like, after, like, everybody sent it to him, and he was like, holy shit, I guess this is something that I should have cared about in the first place. You got you got to watch out. That's one of those flashbulb moments, you know? Yeah. It is. What would your approach be? Would you would you try to throw from the rubber? 100%. You got it. Oh, wow. All right, Dude. firm. So are you making it? You making it, like, 100%. Uh, are you over the plate and making it without a bounce? I'm in the strike zone, baby. Oh, my goodness. What speed are we talking? Uh, maybe like, I don't know. It'd be a looper. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm not going to. Because when you throw it as hard as you can, you lose ac- accuracy. Benny, you forget yeah. this. You forget this. I played high school baseball. I do. I do forget this. So, I, so forget I would be this. supremely confident to get it from my hand. You forget that you were the Dustin Pedroia of your local <laughs> Second base, baby. Ones. Second yeah, base. <laughs> I know this. I know this. I do forget. All right. You declared it on wax. Frozen rope. Well, good news is nobody is ever going to want me to throw out a first pitch. So I can I don't know. sit Maybe safely behind these Use words. Use this video. I'll, I'll get Jack Curry to listen to it. <laughs> oh, my God. Jack Curry, make it happen. Well, <laughs> we'll throw this into the Brian Fallon challenge when when he told me he could hit uh, multiple hundred mile an hour fastballs. Oh, I would not be that crazy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move on. All what's, right, what's your what's your this day? Well, I'm going to go a year prior to you on this day in 2013. A report was published saying how many musicians were frustrated with fans filming gigs on their smartphone. Jack White and the Yeah Yeah Yeahs had both put up signs at their concerts asking people to leave their mobile devices in their pockets. So, you know, we've talked a bunch about this, how, like, Dave Chappelle has people put it in a little thing to keep it out. You guys are going back on tour. You've, you've been around the live music environment for a while. What's your approach to this? Uh, I mean, the fact that we've never talked about it <laughs> at all 
uh, I believe our approach is going to be do absolutely nothing to our fans. <laughs> um, you know, like the only context I could ever see this in is, you know, material you don't want to be seen for any reason. So if, you know, if you're playing a super private comedy club and you're trying out a new set that could wind up being your HBO, or, you know, series or something like that, then I guess I could understand you don't want these songs leaking, um, you know, or, or excuse me, those bits leaking or something like that. So the only context I could see it in is like, oh, we're playing this special like new album show for a select group of fans before the album comes out or something like that, because you know, a month before your brand new record comes out, you wouldn't want uh, the only version of it to be a widely watched YouTube on a shitty iPhone, which it probably yeah. would be. So we've never talked about it. No plans in the future. <laughs> but, you know, I think those are the contexts in which uh, those things happen. But this seems to be kind of abandoned. Not too many people are really doing this yeah. anymore, right? It's kind of people can fucking record you from their watches. Soon they'll be able to re record you from their glasses, you know, like it is a little bit probably of a you know beating a dead horse thing but i i will say we did run into it once i think i know not often did gaslight uh you know unleash like a new song prior to a record you know that's kind of not the way we operated we we were going at such speed at that time that it was sort of a separate process but i remember we wrote the song bloxy parish mm -hmm. Uh, on the road and started playing it on the road as a new song. And of course, you know, after nine months or something from the time that video was taken to the time we actually recorded it, you know, we had tweaked some things. We had, you know, changed a bridge. I think Brian had changed some lyrics and you had people being like, oh, I thought the stuff on YouTube was cool. And that's when you realize like, oh, like that song wasn't really done. Yeah. You know, like like we kind of just played like a demo of an idea. But if you release it that widely, people get demoitis. You know, they'll listen to it 100 times and get married and used to that version. And that's just the way your ears work and your brain works. So there is some danger in that that kind of stuff. Well, I mean, I, I think the thing there for people is like, especially if you're from the Jersey Shore, I distinctly remember that because I was in high school and I had nothing better to do. Um, oh, oh, you remember this <laughs> oh, this song drop? Oh, okay. I, I remember the whole thing. I think the thing there was like, oh, you like mentioned Asbury, and the moment you do that with anything, people are fucking over. <laughs> you're still waiting, still waiting for that that guy. I it took forty years to finish those buildings, but someone finally came and did it. You know. <laughs> And his, uh, you know, his name's Marquette. Not even kidding. Um, all right. I thought his name was Danny Clinch. Oh, Come on. Oh, Danny oh, Clinch oh. rebuild Asbury Park. We all know that. <laughs> First headline today, Benny, we got a bit of somber news, a bit of somber New Jersey news. As we're getting on the air here, it has been announced by his management team that New Jersey's own Ray Liotta has passed away at the age of 67. Uh, he was shooting a movie called Dangerous Waters in the Dominican Republic. And he went to sleep and did not wake up. This, according to his rep, Jennifer Craig. Ray Liotta, you know, we talked a bunch about uh, the many saints of Newark on this podcast. He was in that. He was famously Henry Hill and Martin Scorsese's Goodfellas, among a bunch of other roles. 
I mean, uh, one of my favorites, e- even before I became obsessed with Goodfellas, is him as Shoeless Joe and Feel the Dreams. So a mm. uh, bunch of stuff there, but remembering Ray Liotta today. So what are your favorite Ray Liotta roles, Benny Horowitz? Well, I mean, first, we'd be remiss as two New Jersey people to not just say Ray Liotta is in the New Jersey native Hall of Fame. Of course. I mean, we're talking, you know, top, a small list, especially in the Hollywood scene. I, you know, got to be top top five. Yeah. Uh, Ray Liotta, because, you know, of of there's the obvious, you know, uh, here here's the first thing I want to stop before I go into like his uh, IMDb into my yeah, into my favorites here is, you know, this is going to be one of those long passings. Right. And we've seen this a couple of times in the last like 10, 20 years where uh, he had a lot of stuff going on right now. There was like two or three movies wrapped up, like, you know, ready to come out in post-production. There's a whole series that he has six episodes of that is still going to come out. So there's going to be this like, you know, in a way, like, isn't that a beautiful a gift an actor leaves to the world is like us as fans being able to enjoy their work while they were here for a couple more years. You know, he left us some presents, which is cool. And I like that. That's a, it's it's like a cool way to, 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 to trickle out at the end. Um, I have a couple weird favorites. I mean, I don't know. He, he got, you know, pegged of course, like post Goodfellas and this mob cop cop mob, you know, sort of, role but like to the point that if you were going to do a podcast about it you'd want his voice you know the 30 for 30 on mob sports betting is ray liotta like he became you know strangely this face for it um and i think the best example of that was the crooked cop in copland (laughs) which is like the craziest part you know where like you know totally bought it and then again the asshole cop in uh observe and report which is like (laughs) You know, super dark, weird movie that I recommend anybody gets into if they haven't seen. But like you, you know, I think his peak in films was eighty nine ninety with the with the huge back to back. I mean, this is like back to back finals victories. He had Shoeless Joe Jackson and Field of Dreams and Henry Hill and Goodfellas within a year. It's it's an actor's plateau right there. It was perfect. Two perfect roles for him, uh, and I would say that's the peak. Um, but yeah, Ray Liotta, classic, Jersey classic. Pour one out. What do you pour one out? What do you pour out for Ray Liotta? Oh, a nice bottle of wine, right? Nice bottle of wine. Yeah. Good red. Yeah. Not a limoncello or something. Oh, man. But yeah, much big respect to Ray. Yeah. You know, what do you, what do you got on Liotta? Like, I think people always remember, you know, like, the serious stuff, but he had like a like a decent run in like the aughts and like the two thousands where he was in like you know like Modern Family, Unbreakable, right. Kimmy Schmidt. He never got the comedy movie that I think he like. True, I mean, like he, he had one in him, right? Yeah, yeah. He, he was a funny guy, funny hat. I think um, <laughs> I think he had one in him. Yeah. yeah. Here's what I always think about right. Because so we've talked a little bit on this pod about how much I love that movie. The other guys with Tracy Morgan and Bruce Willis. And I think, you know, at, at that time, Bruce Willis, biggest movie star in, in the world. That movie with Ray Liotta, pretty fucking good. 
Oh, the cop out. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Cop, cop out. out, cop oh, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, that would have been good. <laughs> but you actually got me thinking though, when you said the other guys. Yeah, the, I know the Michael robots. Keaton nailed <laughs> nailed that character in the other guys, but Leota could have been the uh, police. Oh police man, chief easily in that. <laughs> the that, one that, that goes at Jeets. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That oh. would have been good. That would have been good. But a uh, a true Jersey classic, you know. There's pizza, there's bagels, there's pork roll, and then there's Ray Liotta. So he will be missed. Yep. All right, Benny. Next headline today. Uh, we have another story about a musician cashing out on their catalog, but this one has a twist. So Justin Timberlake is the la- latest to sell out, not like sell out, sell out. Well, I guess whatever. Yeah, more like buy in. Yeah, you know? buy. That's right. Um, Justin Timberlake has sold the rights to his songs uh, catalog to Hypnosis Song Management. Um, the deal will be a, a worth about $100 million, and, and the deal is in partnership with Blackstone, who's been taking everybody's catalogs, and God knows what they're going to do with it. Maybe it's like houses. They're just buying them to take them off the market. Um, but the interesting thing about this one, right? So this will include you know songs like Crime Me a River, Sexy Back, Bye Bye Bye, all those things we love from JT, but it does not include future releases. So this hmm. dude got a hundred million dollars for just what he's done already, and he's just past forty. Crazy, Joe. I wow, that is an interesting rub to this because you know the numbers we'd been talking about were, you know, close to what like half a billion dollars yeah. for some of these guys for the Neil Youngs and the Bob Dylans and stuff. And I was I was thinking when I first heard this, you know, the same way you get these skewed <laughs> numbers in you know sports where you're like, oh that. That $120 million contract's <laughs> kind of low. Um, you know, I kind of had the same feeling. I was like, oh, yeah, 100 <laughs> mil for Justin Timberlake? That's it? But, yeah, that makes perfect sense. This isn't someone, you know, walking out on his money into the horizon. This is like this is like buying into the second part of your career. Imagine, you know, as an entertainer making $100 million cold off your music by, like, 40-something years old. Crazy. Again, Justin Timberlake just keeps on impressing, you know, yeah. like, like you always wanted to hate this guy, you know, Oh, Mickey Mouse Club in sync, you know, oh, you're not good. You're not funny. Then he starts dropping these singles. He's on Saturday Night Live. He's a great actor. He can dance. I don't know, man. How, how do you not? How do you not love Justin Timberlake? It's and uh, minority owner of the Memphis Grizzlies. I mean, come yeah. on. Right in the Live, right time. Living the dream. Too. Living the you dream. Know, right at the right time. You think, oh, what a party that would be with John Morant, Beale Street, Justin Timberlake down on Beale Street, private booth. I'm into that. I hope Uh, they listen to the program. Gentlemen, give me a call. All right, Benny. Next headline today, uh, we get into, you know, sometimes we get to talk about crew cut rock here. Sometimes we get to talk about, but honestly, this isn't fun. This headline isn't fun. We're not going to enjoy doing this because it, it's it, it's our way of touching on the tragedy of the week, which it's, um, you know, we know what's wrong. You know what's wrong. Um, fortunately, the people in power don't want to do anything about it. But this is tied into music. So Don McLean has pulled out of this weekend's NRA annual meeting following uh, Tuesday's tragedy at the elementary school in Texas. That killed 19 kids and two adults. Uh, this event, the NRA's Grand Old Night of Freedom, which, 
Jesus Christ. Um, it's, it's, but it's scheduled to go forward on Saturday in Houston, um, and it will have performances from Lee Greenwood, Larry Gatlin, uh, former Restless Heart lead singer, which, by the way, the fact that I can pronounce these names, it's just a shot in the dark here. Larry Stewart, Jacob Bryant, are these even people? Uh, mm. T. Graham Brown. So uh, the event will be hosted on SiriusXM's Y2K channel, which... I know I work for them, so it's like it gets murky. But the way Sirius kind of plays that line is super interesting to me a lot of the time. But uh, my question to you, Benny, you know, yeah. th- this entire question is framed around Don McLean pulling out of this because he felt it's morally he should not be at an NRA event. How are the rest of these people not immediately just blackballed in the entertainment business for participating in this thing? Well, I mean, here's, I think, like the first thing, and it's sort of a microcosm of everything is like, okay, Don McLean is out. I didn't know he was some fucking NRA dude until I heard this. And I fuck his moral justification for pulling out of this concert. I'm sorry, like all the things that have happened in the last 20 years in relation to the NRA made you, you know, this was your fucking tipping point. So Don McLean can suck my dick, like uh, in general. American Pie, great song. Uh, I'll always listen to it now with like some negative tinge to it now that I know all this. Um, as for the rest of these artists, artists, I, I don't know who they are. Yeah. You could have just read me the roll call of like the fucking American Legion <laughs> in fucking Columbia, South Carolina and, you know, Ithaca, New York. Like, I don't know who the fuck <laughs> these people are. And I think this is a strange indication of something larger at play here which is the fact that like a group that is so you know on the fringe they can't even with an endless fucking budget they can't even get a real artist on their their big fucking end of the year show or something you know this is about how much cultural equity these people have at this point it's a fringe group it's like an extremist fringe type fucking group So the idea that like this group who can only book these five fucking assholes wield as much power as they do, I think is is a giant microcosm of like uh, a a very vocal and dangerous minority controlling way too much and wielding too much power. And this is a microcosm of that. They can't get one fucking real artist, you know? You know what makes me sad? That, like, the Beach Boys are kind of in this MAGA NRA, like, circuit now. And I'm just like, I don't know. It didn't have to be like this. Like, like we didn't have to go from Pet Sounds to, like, Pomp and Circumstance at Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, this is, this is, people get old and they get conservative and they get selfish. And I'm not surprised when I see some of these, some of these old bags turn like that, you know? I'm I'm uh, very happy when I see the people like like a Neil Young who was talking this shit back then and is sticking to his word now. You know, those are the people that deserve our support. Um, yeah. But yeah, this is just a little microcosm of of one of the major things. It's horribly wrong. All right, Benny. A bit of good news here. I hope Lay it's good it on news. Me. Colin Kaepernick who last played professional football in 2016, you know, and then we've, we've talked a, at a lot about why he hasn't been in the league, 
worked out on Wednesday for the Las Vegas Raiders. So, Benny, I got to ask, is this just like, you know, the Raiders trying to, you know, say face the NFL look good? Or is this real? Was this a real shot for our boy Cap? Uh, I mean, how do I know? <laughs> you know, I don't know what's going on up front, what's going on beyond the scenes, but I know that, you know, I I, I think, <laughs> you know, in a weird way, as far as like the media is concerned and things like that, I think the, uh, the dust is settled enough on Colin Kaepernick that some of these teams and some of these owners are now willing to, you know, at 34 years old, take on, you know, a guy who hasn't played a snap of football in six years, you know? Um, so I, I don't know what to expect. I don't know if it's real. I don't know if it's legitimate. The one thing I know about it is I like to see it and I'd still like to see Colin Kaepernick on a team. Uh, you know, look at just the level of player we've seen start NFL games in the time Colin Kaepernick's been gone. Yeah. There have been some quarterbacks getting called up from time to time where you're like, who? Yeah. Why? And then they play two games and you've never heard their name again because they were not real NFL level quarterbacks. And Colin Kaepernick's been sitting there this whole time. Even if he's not a starter, he's going to take you to the Super Bowl at this point. Are you trying to tell me this guy who was a pro bowler and who was a very good quarterback can't get you through a couple games when you need him as your second or third string guy? That's always been insane to me and always been an argument I've never been willing to believe. So I think at his age, of course, he's probably still good enough, but I think this is more, he's always been good enough to get this job. So I think it's more an indication now of these teams you know, the dust settling enough that the backlash won't be as bad for them, basically. The thing that I hope, you know, he's, all, he's already got the Netflix deal in place. He's already got all of the stuff in, in place, contract sign, all of that stuff, right? So I think for a while there, it was almost risky for him to go back and, and play football because if he goes back and That's doesn't true. have the leverage of being like the quarterback that went to the Super Bowl, the quarterback that went to the NFC Championship and then stuff like that. If he yeah. didn't have that, it kind of like would take away from his position. So I think I think his team played it very smart to get because it wasn't about him. It was about the overall message. I think a right. lot of the message, well the, I, I don't know if you can say the message got through cuz the NFL is still making horrific mistakes when it comes to that, but they're at least trying now, which I guess is a net win. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's better than the alternative. Like I said, I just, uh, this is the type of thing that if, if any team or any owner really wanted to make, you know, a statement about their intentions, that this could have happened a long time ago, you know, that it could have, but I do agree. The first couple of years, Kaepernick would have been nuts to take a job. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Benny, let's turn our attention to the hardwood now. And, you know, there's a couple of ways that we could, approach this but i think the the entryway into talking about the conference finals right now is you know it's been a little sloppy it's been a little sloppy on both sides especially in the eastern conference series that we're seeing with the boston celtics and the miami heat uh there have been these huge swings blowout wins it's been it's been tough you know if if your team's up it's been awesome but there have have not been you know, like we've saw earlier in the playoffs where, like, 
you know, like in like the in like the Bucks series or in like the Nets series with the Celtics, where it came right down to the wire and it was awesome to see. Have not seen that so far. And the overall level of interest I find because of that, and because, well, you know, the biggest stars you have now are like a much older Steph Curry, a much older Clay, much older Draymond, and 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 of course Luca. Um, but when you look at guys like Jason Tatum, okay, here's where I want to start, right? Okay. Because this, this kind of bothers me. Why does Jason Tatum not get the same start treatment as other guys? He's gone for 40-point games in the playoff. He, he has a subway deal. Is it because he's quiet and we don't know about him? Like, what's, like what's the deal here? Hey, you know the deal. He hasn't brought one back yet. Yeah. And that's when it happens. You know, like... He'll forever be on like the just outside of that elite class until it happens. He's come close. But I mean, I think this is where revisionist history comes into play. If you asked, if I asked you this question six months ago, you would have been talking about like, I don't know, they might have to break up Tatum and Brown. What are the Celtics yeah. doing? And we did. This talk. is a perennial 500 team who can never crack it. And, you know, they made that uh, conference finals and then had a good two, three years of just being simply adequate. Um, so I think that's why. Mm. And I think he's been almost properly rated up until this point. And now you're getting to these series where these are the classic series. He's making his ground right now, getting past Giannis, which was clearly the better team, a way better team than the Heat. Uh, was his big benchmark of this fight, you know, and he'll probably get to the finals because of it and has a very good chance of winning. So I think up until this point, he is uh, properly rated. I, I really, I do think that. So if he gets to the finals and it's looking like he's going to end up playing the Golden State Warriors, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't think that Boston has a very good chance against a team like Golden State right now as things are are, are currently going. Does that... Does what he's accomplished in the, in the run in the East, like I because I, I feel like he's gonna stay at at the same level of celebrity and 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 yeah. where and his status in the league, unless he wins a championship on this run. Well, what it, I think just getting to the finals on this run yeah. is gonna cement him to a certain point, and okay. it's because of the the high profile toe to toe matchups that people are gonna be able to reference, like he went and swept Kevin Durant. Mm, he guarded him a lot. You know what I mean? Like that was a, a mono -a mono matchup that he won. Then they went in and he took on Giannis. The team took on the big dog, arguably the best player in the NBA at his peak and took him down. So I think even if he loses in the finals to a team, like you said, to fucking Steph Curry, to another one who's on, you know, clearly on this list. Um, I, I think, uh, as long as he makes it to the finals and the Celtics have a good showing, I think the the movement he made trending up is going to continue going into next season for sure, win or lose. All right, so then when it comes to the rest of, of this series, the Celtics winning game five in Miami, the way that they did was huge. Um, you know, because there was a lot of talk when Boston, uh, when Miami won up in Boston that, oh, Miami Heat fast track uh, to the NBA Finals. And Boston was like, not so fast. So now with Boston firmly in the driver's seat, potentially could finish it out this weekend. Do you like Boston 
to face Golden State, or or do you think that this series is still up in the air? Uh, I very heavily favor Boston, you yeah. know, um, especially you know, but it's it's been crazy, uh, you know, this series like where oh games one and two, here's playoff Jimmy Butler, who's you know uh, a guy that when I see him at this level, I'm like, sure, Miami might be able to win, but then all of a sudden you see Jimmy Butler with no legs and Tyler Hero on the sideline, who's kind of like. In a way, I know they have some other guys who can shoot, but he's, you know, he's sort of the only one who you can just throw the ball to and say, let's cook every once in a while and might get you a streak. So it, it's really hard to see them uh, get out of Boston for game six. Um, if they do, mm. for, for whatever reason, then you got a game seven at home and, and anything can happen. But I still heavily favor uh, uh, Boston getting through and getting to the finals. Also, just narrative wise, I mean, like, after what Boston pulled off, it's tough to see them get through the Nets and KD and get through the Bucks like they did, and then drop two straight to the Heat to to miss out on this chance. Uh, that that would that would maybe put Jason Tatum back in the category <laughs> we're talking about. Yeah. But um, I'm I'm pretty sure the it's we're looking at Celtics Warriors at this point. Yeah, the Heat are not as fun of of a story to get to the NBA Finals because when 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 the Heat win. It's Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra. If the Celtics get to the finals, it's Brown, Tatum, Ime Adoka, Brad Stevens, that whole thing. We need that new energy. We need that new Red Auerbach, Larry Bird, Celtics lore here. But you know, I know we have some Boston listeners and those Patio Slave guys real into it and stuff, but I got to tell you, you know, if this is a Warriors Celtics finals we're going into, I might wear fucking yellow for two weeks. Yeah. I am a Warriors fan, like full on. Sorry, boys. Sorry. <laughs> All right, let's move over to the Western Conference real quick. Dallas got one back. Incredible series for Luka Doncic. He has been knighted. He has been shown that he is now in the upper echelon just by virtue of getting uh, this group of guys to a conference final and getting a game off of the Warriors. His star has all already been made, but... When you look at, at this team and, and Jason Kidd's effort here, uh, do you look at this more of like, oh, that's nice they got this far? Or, or do you think that they could maybe be the first team in NBA history to come back from 3-0 down? Oh, no, I certainly <laughs> don't see that. Okay. Uh, but let, let, let's just talk about the Mavs in general and yeah. Luka. I mean, this is another story, just like I talked about with Boston, where you know, if we brought up this team as like, Oh, you know, the Mavs might make the Western Conference Finals and do really well at the, you know, in the first couple months of the season when Chris Stapps was on and off the floor and you didn't know what was going on. Luca looked like he was playing his way into shape. You didn't know how this team looked, and you're like, oh, you know, all right, probably not. And then they make that deal, which I don't know if it necessarily made the team and the basketball better, but what it did was just like fully give Luca the keys, which is what you had to do from the get-go. It wasn't about pairing him with another, like, big-time star. Like, you just had to – this is Luca's team. There's your team, kid. You know, like, we'll do anything, you know, we have to win. And he's getting this far, uh, you know, with efficiency and and with, with a lot of flair, with guys like Reggie Bullock and Finney Smith and stuff around him pretty good guard play, but you know, undersized and stuff like that. I, I, I'm impressed, uh, regardless. And I think the future is bright for Dallas and, you know, you also have, you know, an owner so deeply committed and, and, uh, willing to make investments. Luca, 
I think to, um, you know, other players at this point has to be a very desirable guy to try to go pair up with, you know, or, or try to make your way down to Dallas. I think a lot of those like sweetheart Patty Mills kind of contracts are going to be going Dallas's way in the Mm -hmm. next couple of years, you know? And, you know, it's funny because when like Dirk was there and for the last few years, like they were able to get those kind of like role players, like like sweetheart deals. Uh, If they can pair him with another star, that'd be super interesting. You know, Um, we saw Embiid tweet, Miami needs another star. Like you never know what can happen when James Harden and Maury are in the organization. Gosh, could you imagine how Philly (laughs) would react if Embiid is like, I want to leave? That'd be crazy i mean <laughs> the, the there's the end of the process i suppose <laughs> oh jeez it's all oh. the process is complete <laughs> <laughs> you may go joel thank you you may your... go the process is complete <laughs> um but yeah so we're looking it looks like we're looking at a celtics warriors finals uh early thoughts on what that could be i you know it's it's really like an interesting uh you know mix of style but you know, Boston is going to be worn, 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 worn down by the time they get to this. And they, you know, Marcus Smart and Horford and Grant Williams, some of their big players have been, you know, in and out and battling a little injury. And the one thing I really like about the Warriors is kind of a lot of the the stuff they can throw around and a lot of the depth and like, you know, all of a sudden in game three, I didn't see Jonathan Kaminga once. And now all of a sudden there's this like, you know, 6'10 dude bouncing around and uh, causing a lot of trouble. So my first instinct is is to go with the Warriors, but um, I actually really have a feeling. I mean, listen, Boston has been making a lot of great players and great teams look bad this whole playoffs. I, I, I think, you know, is it is it like just fate that, that Brooklyn hasn't looked this fucking bad all year? Miami hasn't looked this fucking bad all year. Milwaukee had a couple straight dud games where they're just, or excuse me, Milwaukee had a couple straight dud games where they're just like, all right, by the first, second quarter, we're out. We're going to the next game because this team's too hard. Boston is a great defense. And I think as we're watching the series, it's, it's easy to get your eyes to Steph Curry and clay and watch them kick it around and, and be like, Oh, who's going to beat this again. But Boston has had a uh, a quick tradition of making really good teams look bad. Uh, so I think if we wind up with a Celtics Warriors, which I think we're gonna, I, I think it could be a real, real serious series. Um, I'm talking like a seven gamer. This yeah. could be a real thing. Boston this entire postseason, and I think it's a reason why people are kind of disrespecting them because. They have been inconsistent. They'll have their games where, where they look great, sure. but then they love to get in the mud with you. Even when their offense is clicking, they will get in the mud with you, and they've just got those kind of guys. So it's going to be really interesting to see. I need Al Horford versus Draymond just to see that kind of back and forth. I think it's going to be fun. I, th- I don't think that's the one you got to watch out for. This is what I was just about to say. What? Who is going to be the first one that gets technical oh. into a suspension? <laughs> Grant Williams or Draymond. Green. Oh, I love it. It's going to be so those fun. Two, oh, those two, that <laughs> I, I do want to see those two meet each other. That's it's like the, the two guys in the NBA who might pride themselves the most on annoying everybody, yeah. you know? So I'm uh that could be a fun one right there. The, and you know, you got to look at, at an X factor, potential X factor. There could be 
coaching. I mean, Steve Kerr has been there, done that. Um, though it, it, it's kind of interesting, the Warriors offense right now is just them running a bunch of actions and, and see what sticks versus Ime, who has a individual defensive game plan every single game. Um, but it's also his first time at the rodeo and first time trying to go up against these Golden State Warriors. So I'm, I'm here for all of that. But, you know, you gotta, you gotta, based off of everything we've seen in the season sample of work, you gotta give the edge to Golden State. You're not going to see a lot of Peyton Pritchard out there, Jordan <laughs> Poole. That's going to be rough. That's going to be rough. But I'm, I'm looking forward to it. All right, playing ways to get in contact with the show, you can email us at the tune podcast at gmail.com, two P's in there. Uh, if you want to follow us on all the social platforms, we have the TuneUp HQ on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Those always help. Oh, and if, if you want to leave a review, all that stuff, get us on up there on Apple or wherever you listen to podcasts. That'd be cool. Uh, if you want to follow Big Man, he is at Benny Horowitz1, number one in your mind, number one in your heart, number one on Twitter. I'm at, at Danny underscore Gallagher. Benny, got anything else? Yeah. Hug your kids tight and fuck guns, man. Show has ended. Go in peace. You were listening to The Tune-Up. <laughs>